Hey everyone, you're listening to the Embrace the Messy podcast with Shannon Schinkel. I'm a high school educator, challenge seeker, lifelong learner, and embracer of all things messy. I find inspiration from individuals who are passionate about learning and embracing change. Join me as I share my experiences and interview people who will inspire you to embrace the messy too. Let's go. Lately, I've been thinking a lot about the importance of community and how our communities help us adapt to change. If you think about it, when a new mandate comes down and we're asked to modify how we live in the world, it's beneficial to have a group of people or even one other person to walk alongside with. When I became a mom 24 years ago, I had my mom, my mother-in-law, and a whole slew of moms in my universe who were there to offer support. When I became a teacher, I had other more established teachers who held my hand and tossed me whatever I needed. Unit plans, instruction for inputting marks, suggestions for novels, you name it. Now, the reason I got all that help is because I reached out. Helpers will often say, I'm here if you need me or give me a holler if you need anything but they aren't mind readers. They aren't necessarily gonna reach out again, not because they don't have the intention, but because they have lives of their own. They initiated, and I was the one who had to be vulnerable enough to take them up on the offers. I had to have the courage to ask for help and cast aside any hard feelings I might have about my ability to parent or teach. That's hard. I like to think about a community as a group that offers help and reaches for help. It's that lovely push and pull that balances a community. In my classroom community, I want students to ask each other for help, but at the same time, I want students to both offer and accept help from other students. It takes intentional practice to develop this balance and a community because kids come in my room with often a genuine fear that if they ask for help, they might appear dumb. And if they offer help, they might appear cockier, like a know-it-all. For all the educators listening who wish for a balanced community in their classrooms, I think one of the best ways to build community is to model community. And that means sharing our experiences with community, with our students. Share what you're collaborating with your colleagues on. Include the highs and lows of collaborating. What what was tough? What What was difficult, right? What was easy? Share the nervousness and exhilaration of speaking in front of your peers or the exciting conversation about that book study you're doing with your department. Share these experiences and feelings with your students. But what if you don't have anything to share with your students? Maybe you don't collaborate with them. I really worry about teachers working in a silo and instead of criticizing their avoidance of community, I've been asking myself, are the conditions as such to bring them into my community? What can I learn from them? 
I just think that there are so many positive dividends when we develop communities in our schools. I understand that for some teachers, it means one more meeting or less time to catch up on prep and marking. But I know from experience that the school that learns together is stronger. And again, it sets a powerful example for our students. I've learned that even the smallest of gestures can make a big difference with people and perhaps lead to building that community. These atomic habits, as my friend Livia Chan calls them, are small gestures that help others find their voices, lift up their spirits, and give us the courage to reach out and lean into the community. I had the chance to sit down and talk about Atomic Habits with Livia, and I left the conversation invigorated and inspired. Livia is an educator and head teacher in Burnaby, British Columbia. She is also a member of the Teach Better team. She's also a speaker and contributing author in several publications, including George Kuros's book, Because of a Teacher, which we dive into in our conversation. Here's my beautiful conversation with Livia Chan. Welcome to the Embrace the Messy podcast. Thank you. Can I first start off by saying how much I appreciate you for all you do in the assessment space and, you know, you challenge my thinking and inspire me, me to be better. So I'm so grateful for this opportunity to chat with you, Shannon. The feeling is so mutual. I, I have to tell you before we, we dig in, you know, I love the book because of a teacher. I think the chapter you wrote, it's kind of reminds me of you know, when you go to a workshop and you just write down everything, right? Like it, mm-hmm. little nuggets of wisdom, like that small chapter, there's just so much, there's so much. And I think it's so, so timely, but I also want to say that you and I got to meet in person in yes. the summer of 2022 and our interaction it just over the, a couple of hours, you exude this, this sweetness, this thoughtfulness, this kindness. I remember you came with your little, the little painted stones, right? And my daughter and I were just so, so taken by you, like just as just, just a lovely human. Sometimes it just takes that small, that little slice of time. So mm-hmm. well, I appreciate you so it. Your, <laughs> your daughter is amazing. <laughs> right? Amazing. And I, doesn't fall far from the tree, I tell uh, you. Well, thank you. Thank you so much. So before we get into that chapter from Because of a Teacher, I am fascinated by origin stories. I'm wondering if you can tell me about a little bit about your, your upbringing, um, how that transition to wanting to become a teacher and you know you talk a little bit about the teach better team and then of course what your role is now Mm -hmm. I would love to share so I was born as the firstborn so naturally you have you get to develop some leadership skills right right as soon as your next your your next sibling is born so my brother was born 14 months after me and then I have another brother that's seven years younger And so we were so blessed because my grandma lived with us and she was really our parent. 
our single parent because my parents worked so much. Uh, immigrant family, so we really had to, they had to work hard. They didn't really have strong uh, grasp of English. And so my grandma and, and my parents taught me what un unconditional love looked like, felt like, and um, sounded like. And so I, when I was in grade seven, my parents opened up a Chinese restaurant. And so shortly after, the year after in grade eight, I started working there with my other brother. And through that, we learned so much about life. Have you ever worked in a restaurant? No, I was, a, I, I was a mall rat for like seven and a half years. That's about it. <laughs> <laughs> well, I learned about leadership, teamwork, communication skills, and really serving other people. And so through that, I worked all through uh, high school and, and university. And you know, when I was in school, I also was heavily involved in clubs and sports. And so I've always kind of been busy and lots of things on my plate and juggling, you know, work, school, <laughs> fun. Um, and, and then eventually I, I found my way to university, was in criminology, uh, wasn't sure what I was going to do, ended up working for the health department. And then kind of thinking, hmm, this is not really what I want to do. <laughs> and so I think throughout the, the last few year, years of that, I had a number of people say, hey, you know, you'd be good as a teacher. And I hadn't really thought about it. Uh, but when I finished my degree, I made sure I had the courses I needed to go straight into education if I wanted to. Mm -hmm. And a lot of my friends from high school and from church all became teachers. And I thought, hmm, maybe that is something for me. But I didn't want to go into it unless I knew this is what I wanted to do. Because I know some people that go to university and then they go straight into teaching. And I would have a number of friends who actually don't even teach after they finish their degree. So I didn't want that for me. So I asked my boss, can I start working part time? So I worked three days a week, still lived at home, so that was affordable. Uh, and so I volunteered at a school for, for on Monday and Tuesday. And Shannon, as soon as I stepped in the doors and started working with kids, I just knew it was one of those, you know, it's like the sky light opens yeah. up and the sun comes shining on you and it says, you are meant to be, yeah, you're meant to be a teacher. I've got goosebumps just, just talking about it. And so after that, I thought, no, I'm going to apply. And then once I applied, I got a job pretty quickly. Um, and soon after that, I had started having babies. And so the first seven years were really like uh, part-time work. And aside from my first year, it kind of was a blur, honestly. You know, I had good years, but I, I can't quite remember that much. So it was really... Uh, 11 years ago, I started working full-time again, and then I worked uh, six years on staff development in learning technologies, which was phenomenal experience because you get to work. I had 27 schools that I supported from K, K to 12. And so just learning uh, about how to integrate technology with curriculum, across the curriculum, and supporting teachers and developing their skill set in integrating technology with curriculum. So that was a great experience. But it came to an end because we had budget cuts. And so I had to go back into the classroom. But, you know, even though I was sitting there in the, in the office at the board, at the board office and we were told that we were going to be cut one short from our team. And it's one of those things that I started, I looked out the window and I thought, hmm, there must be something else meant for me, that this is not meant for me anymore. And just having that openness to kind of feel like, it's, it's going to be okay. 
And I've been back in the classroom for five months, no, five years and three months. And it's every year it's been the best year yet. Mm-hmm. There's something about being around kids and being back in a school community. Um, I've changed a lot in the last five, five years and three months. I've been at uh, four, I'm at my fourth school now. Oh, wow. I've set up five new classrooms and I've taught grade one to five. So it's been quite the challenge to adapt and be flexible and just learn new school communities so many times in the last five plus years, mm-hmm. but I've grown so much because of mm. it. And so uh, this is my fourth year as a head teacher. So mm-hmm. do you have head teachers where you are in PG? No, no, we don't. So head teacher is a little bit like a, a VP. We do have VPs okay. too. We do. So I have a bit of a min time this year. I have 0.15. So it's like a day in an hour or half okay. a day in an hour. And okay. in the afternoon. And so there's some administrative work. Uh, and but most of the time I'm in the classroom. So it's a beautiful mm-hmm. blend between a little bit of admin supporting the school and students mm-hmm. and teachers and still be in the classroom because, boy, those kids. That's, so much joy. There's, there's, there's nothing like it. You know, I'm, no. I'm asked um, every so often if I'm interested in going into admin mm-hmm. and I understand why. Really? Uh, but at the same time. I, I don't think I could have the same impact on my colleagues and even from on teachers outside of my district if I didn't keep my feet in the classroom. Because, mm-hmm. you know, we're constantly putting the things that we're trying to inspire teachers to do. We're putting it into action in our own rooms. This podcast is a proud member of the Teach Better Podcast Network. Better today, better tomorrow, and the podcast to get you there. You can find out more at teachbetter.com slash podcasts. Now let's get back to the episode. I just want to go back to like you come, you're such a reflective person. Were you I I I'm I get the sense that you've always been that way. Like you you know, you're thinking even just like the way you're thinking about how when your role was changing that, you know what, there's going to be this silver lining, right? Yes. That there's the there's a reason why, you know, like you didn't even think about teaching. Teaching wasn't even on the radar when you were younger. Where did that ability, because I think it's a fantastic skill to reflect and see things in a positive light. Where did that come from? I think part of it is nurture. My parents are generally positive people. So I've been blessed with that. Maybe it's genes. It's, pro- it's probably genes and, and, and being nurtured. But I also am. So my name is Livia. And the root kind of comes from the word peace and olive tree, right? And so I think I've always enjoyed harmony and just that peacefulness and calmness. And so when I was growing up, I didn't like when I I felt kind of not at ease. And so I try to have harmony in my life. And so when things aren't going well, sure, I give time to sit in the emotions and the feelings and the thoughts. But at some point, I've become very disciplined to kind of put it on the shelf and go, no, this isn't serving me. I need to Mm -hmm. move on. Mm-hmm. And then look forward. And I have this belief that there, with anything that's on our plate, if I focus on the negative, then that's what, you know, you seek what you find. 
No, mm-hmm. you find what you seek. Yes, that's yeah. <laughs> right. And so yeah. if I if I'm in that space, I, I'm not gonna. It doesn't serve me well, right? And so I, it's just allowed me to kind of always think that there's a silver lining and and really believe that things are meant for me. And mm-hmm. I know part of it is is not just I wait for things to happen, but I I am a an advocate for myself and and so. When, when I think about silver linings, they're always there. It's just sometimes they're harder to find. Yeah. But then I have to work harder to find them, yeah. right? And I think another thing, too, is when I was 25, my very best friend passed away. And that was hard. It was, it, it was yeah, I, I, beyond hard. And so... Mm. Uh, that the same year, my, my dearest grandma passed away too. So I think with having that, you just kind of really treasure life and, Mm. and see people as gifts, right. And Mm. these, your life is a gift. And, you know, every time you go to a funeral, you're reminded of that, right. Or Mm -hmm. when you hear of other people passing, you're reminded of that. And so that those are, are great reminders if it lands on us and it stays with us. It's not like I'm fearful of, of life but I really try like if if people ask me how are you I I honestly can say I am joyfully alive every day because I I, I'm blessed I'm truly blessed and you know we live on on traditional territories like I I live on the traditional territories of the Musqueam, Tsleil-Waututh and Squamish peoples and when I you know as you know in, in BC we're really working on on understanding what we have that, that doesn't come to us without it being taken away from somebody else. Oh, no kidding. And so all we, I have to we do have is, to be, we have to be grateful, right? Yeah. We have to constantly show gratitude, right? Yes. It's yeah. Mm. And gratitude leads to happiness, right? I, I love this reflection because first of all, um, thank you for being so vulnerable in, in sharing the story um, from your, from, you know, when you're in your twenties and the people who are close to you, who you lost, and they know that the people just, they have their, their little imprints on our lives. Yeah. Right. It reminds me of, there is this wonderful Ted talk by um, a gentleman for a photographer from the national geographic, and it's called celebrate what's right with the world. Mm. And he's often criticized, you know, oh, you're being such a Pollyanna. Don't you realize the world is in flames and there's all this negative. And he says, you know, I get that there's the messy, but at Mm -hmm. the same time, I'd rather just embrace the messy Mm -hmm. of it as the name of the podcast suggests, (laughs) you know, and, and change your lens. He says to the naysayers, change your lens because that will it doesn't suggest that there isn't the negative, mm-hmm. but it will help you rise up over the negative. Yes. And that's what I, that's what I get from you when I hear you share these, this story. Yeah. It's all about perspective and it's a choice. It is mm-hmm. a choice how you see things. Yes. And I, I, I'm so, I'm, I'm going to say, I don't know whether it's a little bit of envy or jealousy. It's, I feel this, I'm much like that now, but it's been a lot longer of a journey. Like, I think it's so wonderful that you had those skills at such a young age to be able to reflect, you know, I'm 50 and 
it's it's taken me a lot longer, I think. And again, I think it might be, you know, the people I was surrounded by, not that I was surrounded by negativity, but mm. whether or not I had this opportunity to reflect and and kind of see the silver lining and see see the positives, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and because of a teacher, at the start, you say in this chapter, and I really want to encourage my listeners to get this book, if not already, at the beginning, you you ask, think back to your very first year of teaching. <laughs> and I actually just sit and go, okay, I don't know if I've actually, have I done that? Have I actually <laughs> sat back and thought about my first year of teaching? I had to stop and think. See, because mm-hmm. back when I got into teaching in BC, it was all, it was kind of crazy, right? Like in terms of all the different jobs, like I bounced from school to school. Mm-hmm. But, you know, I studied to be an English and social studies teacher, and the first job I was offered was by my old school principal, mm. um, a lovely, uh, lovely man who asked me if I would do a, a six-month medical leave for the drama teacher because he knew mm-hmm. I had a drama background. And of oh. course, you no, know, I had the drama background, but I had no intention of becoming a drama teacher. Ha ha. Right. <laughs> Look, fast, fast forward to see what happened after that. Things are meant to happen. Things are meant. I totally believe that. Right. Yeah. And boy, was it it was messy. Like I went in there for six weeks and I felt like I knew what I was doing. I tried to be, you know, kind of mm-hmm. cocky, you know, cause you want to be the boss, but it was, it was so messy. Cause you know, I'm, I'm working with these grade 11s and grade 12s and they're only like, you know, maybe <laughs> five or six years younger than right. me, you know, and I'm trying to direct them in a play. But what, I really appreciate in your chapter is you were so vulnerable in sharing about your first year experience. And I, we don't necessarily have to go into the story because I want people to read the book, but I, and I think you probably already answered this, but maybe how long after you had that first year of teaching, were you able to consciously say, well, that's, that's just part of it. It's, it's the messiness about being, being part of it's, it's the messiness of being a a first year teacher, I guess, mistakes happen, you say, Mm -hmm. right? How long afterwards, because for some people, you know, it, for me, it would be like 20 years. What was it like for you? Honestly, it was probably 22 years. Okay. I, I just went to our district celebration for teaching 25 years and it was a beautiful celebration for us and it really was during the pandemic when I heard because that's when I started listening to a lot of podcasts and joining a lot of Twitter chats and all that and I started learning from I mean I've always learned from other people but just more active in following more people and reading more blog posts and just hearing more voices and Mm -hmm. I would hear over and over again oh I just want to go back to my first year class and apologize to them hear that too often and then I thought about it some more I thought yeah I feel the same way but as I reflected some more I thought no I did the best that I could and I made sure that my students felt loved valued cared for uh, appreciated and how do I know that it's because I still keep in contact with some of the the girls that I taught in my first year 25 years ago Mm -hmm. and when I talked to them, they, over the years, they, they'd still say, when I think about my, my favorite teacher, you still come to mind, even though they're, 30, they're probably 31, 32 years old now, right? Mm-hmm. And so then I think about that, that's feedback, right? And I thought, so I thought, 
I must have done something right. And you know Maya Angelou's quote, right? The most yeah, one of her yeah. most famous ones. People will, will forget how you what you said and what what you did, but they won't forget how you, you made them feel. Mm-hmm. And so I have the same story. Like in grade two, what back then I think teachers were were a little bit on the scary side. The, the building relationships wasn't really <laughs> a thing, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And so I, I had a grade two teacher that was brand new. And she was probably one of my most memorable teachers. I don't remember what she taught us, maybe a couple of things, but it's how she made me feel. And so it's the same thing where, yes, I made mistakes. Um, And I think in the last few years too, I've learned to have, I've learned how to be a compassionate cheerleader for myself too, right? That when things happen, it's like, no, you learn from mistakes right? There's many books that talk about learning from mistakes, and Mm -hmm. it's an opportunity to grow. And so it's, yeah, I would have liked to say too, yeah, I learned that pretty quickly. But yeah, it honestly (laughs) really was like three years ago that I kind of was more accepting of no, I I don't feel like I need to apologize. I did the very best I could. I know that they, they learned how to write, they learned their math. And uh, Mm -hmm. I remember make trying to make it fun for them. And and building that that community. So I'm I'm not, you know, I'm not <laughs> feeling the same that I did yeah, before. Yeah. Like, oh, I have to just go back and apologize, right? I think I think oh, you're I think you're 100 percent right. And I think it models that self-compassion is mm-hmm. such a great thing to model for students. Mm-hmm. Right? Like one of the things I know I've learned from like Trevor McKenzie is, you know, he talks about the val- things that he values in the classroom. Mm-hmm. And I write, wrote all my values up on, on a poster and I'll refer to them. And mm-hmm. it is things like, you know, getting kids to collaborate and things like that. But it's also about mistake making. Yeah. And we'll actually talk about that. And I'll be very conscientious or not conscientious, but very intentional about talking about the mistakes I've made mm-hmm. so they can see that there's this humanity Yes. And that it's all a part of our growth. Yes. Right. Well, and how that aligns even with like, I think about my assessment values and standards based mm-hmm. grading, and mm-hmm. it's your best and most recent evidence of work. Yes. So you can make those mistakes and feel comfortable making those mistakes, yes. knowing it's about the journey. I was right? just going to say that learning is a journey and first people's principles of learning. Yes. Learning yes. takes time and patience. Yes. And honestly, when I think about that mindset and really embodying it, it has helped me with the kids that are challenging, right? It mm-hmm. might be the 10th time I've told this, this child to stop whistling. Yeah, <laughs> right. Right. But there's always that one. Yeah. Right? <laughs> yeah. But it's, it's learning is a journey. And also just using that language with, with the rest of the kids they start to have a little bit more grace because they're quick to get frustrated. Like, sure. So sure. is working again, but it's like reminding them, well, he or she, or they are learning. And this is, it, this it's is just their journey. Little, yeah. It's, it's an individual's journey, right? Mm-hmm. Like mm-hmm. I get that we'll have a student in class who is very frustrating to the other students. And I'll actually mm-hmm. look at them and I'll, and I'll say to the students who are complaining to me uh, to the side and be mm-hmm. like, what have you noticed positively about the changes in that student since the beginning of September? Yeah. And then they stop and they go, oh, you know what? They they aren't being as, as annoying. 
right? <laughs> we need to look at everything, everyone on their own journey. Like we might have certain academic grade level expectations, mm -hmm. but in terms of especially things like behaviors, right? Mm -hmm. We can mm -hmm. view it everyone on their on their own journey. Everyone has the opportunity to improve. I want to mm -hmm. touch on something that you mentioned too about the kinds of things that you bring forth into your classroom. And I know in part of this chapter and because of a teacher, you talk about the correlation between joy and learning. Mm. Mm, right. Mm. Yes. So, you know, how does joy improve learning? Well, you know, it wasn't until maybe about a, yeah, but three years ago when I started thinking about, you know, when somebody says to you, hey, would you like to write a chapter in my book? And George Carlos is one of those people that I just adore and admire. And he's just so inspiring. And so when he called me to say, hey, you want to write a book in my chapter? I, my, my jaw was on the floor for a long time. And so then you think, well, what am I going to say, right? And so when I really thought about it, and you you notice that I'm a very reflective person, um, and then I started thinking, well, that's one piece that I think makes such a difference that a lot of people may not talk about, right? Mm -hmm. And so I actually would love to include love and joy in, in this next piece mm -hmm. yeah. because they go hand in hand to me. And to me, it's all about the intentionality right? Uh, I actually really love what I get to do. And it really does bring me so much joy, you know, in days where you don't get enough sleep, you're, you're going to school, but as soon as you see the kids, it's like they just fuel you with this energy that that uh, lasts throughout the rest of the day, right? All you need to do is smile at them and they, that, their smile. And, and so I, I just think the more that I love the kids and the more that they feel love, the more I get love. And to me, it's mm. like a, a boomerang. I call it, actually I have a boomerang that I bought to show yeah. and explain to them because it's a love and joy boomerang. The more that I love them and, and have joy and exude these things, the more they feel it and the more it comes back to me. And that's like mm -hmm. life too, right? Mm -hmm. And so I actually am not afraid to tell them I love you. And this is the sign for I love you in sign language. And so... Uh, throughout the day, sometimes I might just look up and I lock eyes with one of the students and they just flash the I love you. And it's like, how do you Aww. not how do you not feel joy and, and love throughout the day? And we do the same. Right. And so every morning I when I greet them, uh, I I always write a morning message and somewhere on that morning message, it reminds them that I love them and I appreciate them. Mm. And so throughout the day, it's. We just bring each other joy. And I talk about joy. So we always start with a soft start. I call it heart time because it's a time to fill your heart with joy. And so when it's time to clean up, I always say to them, okay, thank the people that brought you joy that you spent time with. And I just feel like the more that you talk about joy, uh, the more they they learn what brings them joy. Because I think as as they grow up, if they know what brings them joy, they know how to cultivate the joy. And if every teacher from kindergarten all the way to grade 12 talked about joy and cultivating it, I can only imagine how it, that impacts their well-being as adults, mm -hmm. right? So like on the weekend or, or during our community circle, we have community circle every single day. 
I'll say to them before I used to say, share something on the weekend that you did or share something that you're looking forward to on, on the weekend. But I've changed that language. And I said, share something on the weekend that you are grateful for that may have brought you joy. So with the two pieces together, they're now thinking on that. I'm, I'm trying to retrain their brain to see the good, to see things as feeling grateful and to mm-hmm. see things that bring them joy. And then I think there's that emotional contagion too, right? When you ask people, hey, what brought you, like, Shannon, what brought you joy this weekend? Mm-hmm. I just saw automatically you smiled a little bit yeah. more. Right. It's so true. It's it's this community building, right? Yes. It's in the classroom. I always I call my classes. I, I always say that, you know, we are a classroom community. We are a family. You know, mm-hmm. I'll walk in the classroom. I drive them because like, I teach high school. Right. Mm-hmm. So, you know, they might think when I walk in and, and say, hello, my little lovely blueberries or <laughs> some kind of little thing. Oh, my lovely humans. And we do like smiles and frowns at the beginning of the class as mm. some of connecting and, and that kind of thing. And they, and, but they always smile. They yeah. still smile. Like, even though they're trying to be all cool, yeah. and older, right. They, they still kind of Google, you know, they think it's kind of funny. We'll do, you know, I'll tell them a dad joke, but you've, you've inspired me to maybe take it even a little bit further. Like I want there to be the capacity to be open to share our highs and lows. And sometimes mm-hmm. kids share a lot, Yes, but to focus maybe more on gratitude beyond simply doing say just the land acknowledgement but actually bringing being a little bit more intentional um with with the with the idea of of gratitude to keep them focused and positive the other thing i want to just um double click on is a lot of our students don't unfortunately have those self-compassion and those gratitude skills mm-hmm. from home. Yes. They come to school with, you know, s- weighed so heavily on mm-hmm. what their life is like. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. And we talk about preparing kids for the real world. Some of our kids have so much real world. It's yeah. I, I I'm so privileged, you know, mm-hmm. raised by two parents they stayed together. My father mm-hmm. was a teacher. I am, I'm white. I know that there are privileges that come with that. And, but to be conscious about the impact that maybe I can make, mm-hmm. not only to help students who already have those skills to accelerate those skills, mm-hmm. but also to be that person who inspires them to, to show gratitude and, and see the gratitude in things. Mm-hmm. Well, just, I think that's, don't that's know how to do that. Well, it's a, the most beautiful part of our role, isn't it? That mm-hmm. we get to, in a sense, we're making little mini me's, right? All, mm-hmm. all Hopefully all the, the best parts of us and our core values that we're trying to teach them to help them become wonderful and uh, caring citizens of the world. And, and compassionate, right? And so, you know, you think about um, when when you can provide that space for them that they just feel so loved and, you know, you you try to build in activities where they can feel joy with each other. Mm-hmm. It just raises their level of happiness. And, mm-hmm. you know, that that can be something that's that's controlled, right? The more the more gratitude you have, the your baseline level of happiness increases. Mm-hmm. And when you think about that, when kids have 
are feeling that throughout the day, it helps them connect with others better. Right? Mm-hmm. And, then it just, that, and that's where it, it influences their learning. Because mm-hmm. if, if they start their day feeling loved and they've, they've got joy that's filled their, their heart, they're more alert, they're more ready to learn, they're more likely to get along with their peers. And you know how hard it is when kids mm-hmm. are unhappy or frustrated or they're upset about it with, with another uh, peer in the classroom. It's so hard for them to learn. Mm-hmm. So hard. So this way, you know, it, they're their brains are ready, their hearts are ready, and they just can learn so much better when they're in this um, state or this mood, right? It it reminds me of, you know, it doesn't have to be exclusive, this idea of Maslow and Bloom, right? Mm-hmm. It's like, like Tom Shimmer says, you can Maslow through Bloom, mm-hmm. yes. right? You yes. can create and, and and be conscious of what the curriculum is asking us to do, but to incorporate these moments of joy and reflection mm-hmm. and and glean all the positives from that i think yeah. that's that's so so beautiful um i want to talk about atomic interactions mm. i love that so on your website liviachan.com yes. <laughs> um you write every atomic interaction is an opportunity to uplift others through love kindness and gratitude and I think what I love about that so much is it's it's illuminating this idea that it's the smallest of connections can Mm -hmm. have such a profound impact because sometimes there's this mentality that you have to do something big and bold with sparkles and (laughs) ribbons and fireworks in order to actually have that that positive impact, that, that connection. So one of the things I asked you um, um, prior to, to this interview was to be thinking about when have you, would you like to share some stories of your own atomic interactions with students and educators and anyone in your sphere of influence? Mm -hmm. Well, first of all, I just kind of want to explain the origin story of Yes, please. Okay. And just a little correction, my website is livechan.com. Oh, I'm sorry, livechan.com. I'm going to make sure sure that that is fixed in the notes so listeners know exactly where to find you. Thank you. So I I think about atomic interactions as the other AI. You know, we talk about AI and we have one idea of AI, but this is this is my AI. And so I read the book Atomic Habits by James Clear. And so, right. Yeah. And so when I thought about that, I thought and then at the same time, I, I in the grade two, three curriculum is a teaching about matter. And so. It, one of the things is what's the basic building block of all matter? Well, it's atoms. And then when I kind of put the two together, it was like one of those other sky opening things like, oh, this just makes sense. Atomic interactions. Because when you think about it, um, you have relationships that you want to build. And then it's, to me, it's kind of like Lego, right? You you have this idea or, or those, those, kits you have this idea of what this should look like call it the millennium falcon or whatever yeah, it is yeah, you, yeah. this package <laughs> and so but you have to build it one piece at a time so it's kind of like lego and backward design 
um, meshed together, right? Mm -hmm. So if you want a particular kind of relationship at the end, whether it's the end of the school year or the end of your time or what have you, end of your life, then you have to build that kind of relationship one interaction at a time. And so we work so hard to build relationships, right? So then when I think about it, like I have to hold myself so accountable and, and hold myself to high standards because every time I am interacting with somebody, it's just an opportunity to uplift them. Like that's just mm -hmm. kind of how my mindset is now. And that one time where you're a little bit short or, you know, honestly, like this yeah. happened to me just a couple of days ago because I was, I was preparing for a presentation and my stress level was beyond almost like almost out of control. And I lived with my, my parents and my dad came up and he says, can you, when you have time, can you just help me um, email something to his brothers? He's not, so he, he can read emails. He doesn't really know how to send back. Right. And so I think I, it was like one of those things that I, I did not remember atomic interactions. So I just said, right, not right now, dad. I, I'm just like, I'll help you when I'm done, maybe tomorrow. And I, I didn't, I didn't give him the time and space or made, I didn't make him feel loved as much as I mm. could have in hindsight. And so I heard about it from my mom the next day. And she's like, you know, this is how your dad felt. And then all of a sudden I'm like, ah, atomic interactions. And, but honestly, like then, then, you know, there's an opportunity to repair. Right. And yes. he, he's very forgiving. Which is so, so important too. Right. Yeah. 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 But it also helps me with my son because my, I have a daughter and son and he, he, he's, he struggles through school sometimes because he doesn't see the same value and he's just kind of going through the motions sometimes. And so there are times where, you know, as a mom, you want to encourage them, you want to, lift them up and whatnot. And, but once I started figuring out that this atomic uh, interactions, I thought, you know, every time I talk to him, I have to hold myself accountable and make sure that my interactions are, are positive. And, you know, so I find that I, I'm a better parent because of the idea of atomic interactions and knowing that it makes such a big difference, right? These small little things make such a difference. Mm -hmm. And so again, just like, you know, I'm thinking about like a, a child that just likes to whistle all the time. It could be the 10th time, but I just think, remind myself, no, atomic interactions, each interaction makes a, such a huge difference. So, okay, I'm going to dig deep. I have to open my heart even bigger and just be the kindest, most understanding uh, teacher with so much grace for this child, because again, this is a journey. Learning is a journey. Mm -hmm. And so I just think if I really want to build deeper connections, this is what I have to do. And mm -hmm. so I've just trained my brain to start looking and creating for op creating opportunities. So like if I'm walking down a hallway, you know, how many times do we, are we feeling a little bit busy? We walk down hallways, we pass by our colleagues doors and we just pass by. But to me, right. it's like, there's another opportunity, right? So yeah. Even if it's 15 seconds, it's worth it because I want to build connections. So I'll stop and say, good morning, so-and-so. Yeah. I always say their name yeah. because names are so important. And yes. just a quick check-in. Hey, how are you doing today? You know, um, how can I support you, right? Nice. And so it's just, it's, it's very intentional because mm -hmm. to me, people are gifts. Honestly, mm. you know, the, the, our life is, is, 
so rich because of the relationships that we get to have every day, right? And mm-hmm. so I think of it like compound interest too. Every atomic interaction is like, you know, you talk, talk about that, that, that calculation, a penny a day, and then after so many years, it's like a million dollars, same kind of thing, right? Mm-hmm. Every time I interact with somebody, I'm trying to make that space better than, than how I found it, right? Whether it's one person, whether it's a small group, whether it's a big group, I have that ability to make the space better mm-hmm. and warmer and more welcoming or more loving or more joyful. And it's just, uh, you know, we get to do that. And in our words, Yes. So much power. They do because, you know, you talk about atomic interactions and making time to do the positives. The flip side of that is when our, even our briefest interactive uh, interactions Mm -hmm. with someone, if it's negative, Mm -hmm. the staying power is gross because we are hardwired to fixate and ruminate yes. on the negative. Yes, even though there's and some we need to remember that that has the exact has even more has so much power. So we need to make sure that we're intentional. Do multiple positive interactions. Yes, yes. and that's for that's the same like power. Yes, and that's a little bit like the legacy I want to leave in other people and in this world is, you know, you we know how contagious that feeling is, right? And if I leave anybody or any space feeling a little bit more positive, they're going to be a little bit more positive and maybe have a little bit more grace for other people. And so even like, you know, parents to me are such partners in our, our students' education, right? And mm-hmm. so in the, you know, I often had classrooms where I'd have to greet or not have to, but get to greet the kids at the door and the parents, because they're young, the parents are often standing around. And so I often would greet my kids. And then that was it. But then I started realizing, no, they're just as important too. So when I go and greet them at the door, I, I wave big waves and big smile. I light up because I'm so happy to see them. And I, I acknowledge that the parents are there. And I say to the kids, okay, now it's time to come in, but turn to your parents and wave and say, thank you. Have an awesome day. I love you. Mm-hmm. And that interaction where we're, we're leaving the the parents are now walking off the school feeling a little bit more Mm -hmm. joyful a little bit more positive and maybe they're not going to honk somebody when they're in their car right or maybe they're just going to be a little bit more kinder to somebody who normally would be frustrating to them and so that's like one little thing maybe they were having a terrible day and And now there's that one little positive thing that it's like oh i really needed that yes i needed that Small but big. And the impact of seeing atomic interactions yes. is also huge. So my um, my friend uh, who runs, like we do um, like a secret pal mm-hmm. thing here at, at my school. We can leave small gifts and it's not about the money. It's just about oh, yeah. those interactions. But And here's the thing. My favorite part isn't even hearing about everyone getting different gifts. Mm-hmm. It's this bulletin board we have in the office where people thank their secret pals mm-hmm. for something they gave them. Mm-hmm. It's that those little notes. Yeah. Those little notes of, oh, I was having such a day. 
Mm-hmm. Thank you to my secret pal for lifting up my spirits. Thank you for the socks. Thank you for the coffee. I needed the pick me up. I had had a bad sleep. And that's mm-hmm. my favorite part. I could just stand there yeah. and read all yeah. those notes and yeah. they'll lift me up. No one yeah. said anything nice to me. I mean, they do, right? Yeah. <laughs> but they yeah. did at that yeah. time. But just to be exposed to the joy. Yes. Simon Sinek says that in, in a lot of his podcasts, he'll say that even when you watch somebody do something kind to somebody, yes. that makes a difference in our own well-being. And yeah. so to me, like every every time there's an interaction, it my goal is to make that an uplifting one. So I'm either sharing some kind of, I'm sharing my love, my kindness, or through gratitude. And to me, it's become, it's like, so James, one of James Clear's uh, most famous quotes is, you don't rise to the, level, to of the your level of your goals, you fall to the level of your systems. No, you don't rise. To, yeah, yeah, that's it. Yeah. yeah. And so to me, this has become like, this is my mindset now. This is part of the system that I have and how I live my life every day through every interaction. And now it's just become a habit. And mm-hmm. I still remember one time, um, my principal and I, there was somebody that came to drop off something at the door. And our, the stairs to the front of the office are you know, d- down the stairs. And then the man dropped it off and he's like, so we said, oh, you can bring it up. And he's like, no, I don't, I don't go into schools. And it was, you know, just post COVID times and we understand, but mm-hmm, he just seemed mm-hmm. really grumpy. And so we're like, no, that's okay. And then, you know, it, it kind of affected how we felt, but then my principal said, no, 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 atomic interactions. And we're like, yes, that's right. So we're like reminding of each other of, you know, times where we just have to have a little bit more grace for people. Right. Yeah. And, you know, we can make them, we have that, that beautiful opportunity to make it a, a, a more positive interaction. Mm-hmm. I know depending on the size of your school, getting educators to, to collaborate, to kind of interact, I guess, on a, on a deeper level, you know, mm-hmm. as, as me, as this assessment person and trying, one of the things I'll often ask educators is I'll say, oh, well, you need to, you know, collaborate with your department or whatever. And, and that's me being a little bit ignorant of the fact that in some schools, they might not really have anybody else in their department. So this brings up the idea of the importance of having a PLN, right? Mm -hmm. Having a professional learning network and how you and I are both in, in line in terms of uh, aligned in terms of understanding how important it is to have the social networking social networks as, as a way we can actually connect. Mm -hmm. So I'll actually steer educators towards, you know, finding their people. Like, I mean, this is the reason this was, that was the foundation of why I started beyond report cards on Facebook. Right. Because conversations or an assessment were not exclusive to BC. Let's have this as an opportunity where people can find out who is Mm -hmm. doing what and we can learn from each other because Mm -hmm. some people are in a silo and it's not intentional. It's just because they don't really have anybody. Um, I know that people that have impacted me, I mean, I've got you and I've got, you know, people like Phil Stringer and Nina Pack Louie and Josh Ogilvie and Christine Young husband. And, Mm -hmm. and these were individuals that are my friends now in real life. Yes. Yeah, we started off as you know Twitter friends. Well, mm-hmm. I mean, it's not Twitter anymore. I can't call it X. <laughs> it just doesn't sound right in my brain, you know. And 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 that and again, it's so interesting how perhaps this idea of 
you know, atomic interactions over a social network. Yes. Meeting these people in person, mm-hmm. you know, it was like we'd known each other for years. Yes. yes. It was, right? Yes. It was like, I remember sitting outside, you know, I remember meeting in person, Phil and Nina, Mm-hmm. And then we're sitting there and we're talking, we're having a beverage route on at Nina's house. And also we just kind of paused and look at each other and went, I can't believe we're in person. You know, I can't, you know, this is so mm-hmm. crazy. Right. Mm-hmm. Anyway, sorry. That was, that was a, just a sidebar, but it was just so impactful. So what impact did your professional learning network have on, on your journey? Oh, huge, gigantic, enormous impact. So I started becoming more active on Twitter, X, whatever you want to call it, uh, (laughs) during the pandemic. And so during that time, I I was connecting with different people. And again, it was like atomic, even before I understood atomic interactions. Okay. But, you know, I just want to kind of go back. Like, I didn't even realize that's what I was doing. But there was a, a teacher at my previous school and he said, you know, Every time I interact with you, I always feel better. I always feel uplifted. And it was like one of those things like. It's a positive energy. Yeah. I didn't even realize that's what I was doing. And so even like in my emails, I always try to thank somebody or start with something positive or, Mm -hmm. or end or end with something positive. And, and so it was that feedback that I kind of started thinking, maybe I do do something a little bit different. And that was a positive, that was an atomic interaction right there him thanking you yes (laughs) right so then I started paying attention to the emails that I would receive because in my previous role in staff development I received so many emails a day right and I started noticing like huh other people don't do what I do Mm. right and so anyways uh so eventually like Jeff Gargas from the Teach Better team contacted me and said hey do you want to be a guest on our podcast and I thought this is a hoax like, who am I? I'm just a teacher from Burnaby. And so I thought, this can't be real. So I dug into Teach Better Team, looked on the website, and they had over 100 podcast episodes. I started listening to some. I'm like, oh, <clears throat> excuse me, this is real. And so I thought, okay, well, uh, what what does this mean? And, you know, I've never even really listened to that many podcasts either. And then, you know, did the recording and then just met an incredible uh, educators from around the world and just inspired me. And so realized that they have this whole blogging platform. So I started blogging and also just uh, connecting with more people through the Twitter chat. So kind of side by side, the Teach Better team, but then also other people at the same Mm -hmm. time. And uh, and then. You know, since then, I've had other people reach out, uh, like Zach Robbins from the Nevada Association of uh, School Administrators. Like he reached out and said, hey, would would love for you to present to our, our people. And I thought, first of all, I don't even know how you know me, but it must be yeah. by the way that I interact, right, on online. Yeah. yeah. And so I'm doing my fourth presentation to the Nevada teachers and administrators nice. uh, coming up uh, next next week. Yeah. And so the opportunities just started to grow and people started to, I guess, notice what I was doing and, and what I was sharing. And then I learned that I have a voice. I never knew I had a voice. 
So I found it. And then I started to, it started to increase my confidence. And then I, then I discovered what my message was. Cause you know, sure I have a voice, but then I started to figure out, okay, well, what is my message? And then it, it allowed me to start dreaming, right. About my impact and, and growing it beyond my, my city of Burnaby, my district of Burnaby. And then it just fueled my passion even more for sharing because, and learning. Like I've always been learning. I've always, because art, one thing I love about our district is we have a lot of learning opportunities after school and whatnot. So I went to so many. Mm-hmm. And I am the person that I am today and the teacher that I am today because of everybody else that shared, right? Mm-hmm. Just like you, like mm-hmm. you, you talked about me being a deep thinker. Oh my goodness. When I read your blog posts, I know they're long, but they are, <laughs> yeah. I, I hang on every word, Shannon. Oh, like, thank you. Just when, when you, when I, I, devour the words that you you, you mm. put out there because they're just so thought-provoking and so it's the same way like you know why am I holding on to the things that I've learned that make such a difference in my practice and in my life then you know it's almost selfish to hold it on it's like that stock mm-hmm. tip right even you got a good mm-hmm. stock tip you should share it mm-hmm. with other people because you want yeah <laughs> yeah the same kind of thing and so you know when I went to the teach better conference last October because I'd met so many times online through zoom and interacted and 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 when i met all these amazing educators and just not educators but amazing people it was surreal Mm. like a you know couple hundred people of many of them i already knew and it just felt like we all we often marveled because it felt like it was like a reunion you know like your grad reunion but it was the first time that we met right Mm -hmm. it's just incredible and well, because and you're so, it's like minded, right? Yes. People with a passion, right? Yes. That like mindedness, it's conti- you can just kind of feel it in the yes. air. Yes. You know, I went to Ottawa, um, the Canadian Assessment for Learning Network conference, mm-hmm. uh, for master class, and there was mm-hmm. and it felt the exact same way. Yeah, it didn't matter where someone was from, whether they were a teacher, whether they were a department head, whether they were just like an assessment lead or an administrator, we all had the same intention. We all had the same passion for what we mm-hmm. wanted to do to support kids mm-hmm. and educators. Mm-hmm. And you could feel it in the air. And it was like family. Yes. It was like, these are my people. <laughs> yes. Yes. <laughs> Yeah. And, you know, and I think that's another thing, too. Like, I've always loved writing. And I think the the opportunity to write and blog some more. And, you know, I always thought, I think about uh, George Curls because he came to our, he came to a conference here in 2016. And it was the QBC one. And the biggest message that I got from him was, you have to start sharing and like through blogging. And because you learn so much about yourself, right? And that self-awareness and the reflection and, and helping yourself get better through, mm-hmm. through your experiences and whatnot. And so I've always wanted to have my own domain name, but with being on staff development, like that, that was a job in times yep. two or three. And so when the pandemic hit and then when George, um, Jeff Gargas reached out to be on the podcast, I'm like, you know what, this seems like the right time. And so I started blogging for myself and, you know, that led to other things. And now my writing is in six different published books and and actually writing my own book about atomic interactions. I was just, I was going to ask you what I, it was an extra question there. What was next for you? Tell me about that. So I have, I have all my chapters 
set out. I've got ideas for each chapter. I've got my whole Google Docs with with bookmarks so that I can jump from one part to another. And I just need more time to write. Yes. You know? So, yeah. but you That's... know, I find time here and there and I'm inspired by different people. So like my friend Megan Lawson just uh, published a new book, Legacy of Learning. And so, uh, which is awesome. And so you know, that's sparked my, my um, inspiration again to start writing again. And uh, you know, I, it's just, I write a blog post every week for my students and, or, and the families. So we talk about okay. different things that we've done. And then I, I include oh, ways idea. to support. And okay. then on the weekends, I also write a weekly email to all our, our staff just to, you know, inspire them and to yeah. share something, uh, share a little nugget that can help them um, be a little bit better. And then just any notes about this un- upcoming week. Mm. And well, so- I hope I hope two things in your book that you're going to zoom in out are my two favorite things that I do in my oh, class. Please. My two favorite, Thankful Thursdays, uh, and the language of today's best. Uh, now, I'm going to be, in all transparency, I used to do Thankful Thursdays. And then, of course, to, in preparation for this podcast, of course, I'm like, I'm rereading the chapter, yes. even though it's like, 10 times since I've read, I've read it. Right. And I'm like, Oh, great. Cause you know, you have, you have so much going on. Sometimes things get put to the side and whatever. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, thankful Thursdays. Right. Yes. And, and, and I, so I brought it back this week. I brought it back this week. I was like, I got to bring this back. It was Thursday. I'm like, I've got to bring it back. And it's, it's the, it's the most, it's, it's kind of, it's kind of hilarious when you're working with, with high schoolers because you get these big bodies mm-hmm. and they're in there and they're like two, some of them are like, feel like they're too cool for school, you know, but then they look at each other, bro, I'm so thankful you're my friend. And they're like, you know, bro, <laughs> and the girls Aww. talking about, you know, different yeah. things. And, and, and it does exactly this though. We're just smiling. Yeah smiling yes. right and we yes. talk about that kind of gratitude right and i just mm-hmm. um just absolutely love it i just it was great and the language of today's best that's yeah. something i've been adopting it's like oh, awesome. it, it instead of saying do your best yep so much heavier weight on mm-hmm. do your best because it asks a student to think about well it becomes very comparative Mm-hmm. And it becomes, you know, feeling the whole world is on their shoulders, like mm-hmm. my best, my best compared to what? Yeah. It's like, then, then just look at today. What's your yeah. best? Yeah. Right. What do you have? Mm-hmm. Right. You might only mm-hmm. have 50% right now. Mm-hmm. That's okay. That might be your best, but I just want you to be conscious of what is your best yeah. do today's best. I just, I just love it. Yes. If you, if 60% was your today's best and you gave 60%, that's hundred percent. Yes. Yes. Right? Yes. Right. Yes. Well, and it is one of those things where I, I learned that from Ray Hewitt and mm-hmm. she's part of the teach better team. Mm-hmm. And it was, uh, there's, so there's, there was one morning that our, our guinea pig and coconut passed away. And my daughter, I said to her, are you going to school? And she said, yes. So I thought, well, if you're going to school, I'll go to school too. And because I knew that my community, my kids would, would lift me up. And so I was sharing in the morning during community circle that this is what happened. And I said, it's, it's hard for me to be here and, and, and to talk about, you know, it's so raw, the feelings. And anybody that's had a pet that's lost a pet knows that, that feeling, right, of loss. 
And what I told them, I said, you know, I'm here. I'm going to give you my today's best. It's not going to look like yesterday's today's best, but I will give you my today's best. And it comes, it goes such a long way with students and and to have that grace as a teacher for them, because, mm-hmm. you know, you know, by the, by, you know, a, a couple months, you, you actually really know what their best could look like. Right. And so I've had kids where they come to me and their writing is just like, just so, so, and it's like, mm-hmm. you know, could you do a little bit more? And, and they just say, Miss Chan, this is my today's best. I'm just a, a tired this morning. I had hockey practice. I got up at five in the morning and this is just my today's best. And then I just, I don't push anymore. You know, yep. I stop and go, okay, tomorrow is going to yeah. be different. Right. Yeah. And so I think it's just, you know, I really like to push kids into their stretch zones. It's all because if they're in the comfort zone, they're not really, you know, it's, right. it's not really challenging yeah. them, but there are times where they just need to be in their comfort zone. Mm-hmm. and that's okay and so it's just such a big difference yeah like you said like what you've noticed from today's best to saying do your best how do we shift the thinking with our colleagues to not expect their best from the student like what mm-hmm. i think is the expectation mm-hmm. to shift to that thinking how what are the because I, I mean, you know, as as your role as a head teacher, you know, you're you're trying to inspire um, mm-hmm. other teachers to embrace some of these wonderful habits. How can we shift other educators' thinking to think today's best versus what the teacher deems is best? Mm-hmm. Well, I think just simply sharing the idea of today's best, mm-hmm. right? Because that that's well, but it, you know, when they get into college and university, you know, there's going to be you know, like that's the excuses I get. Right. Right. Especially well, at the high school level. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. yeah. Well, you know, I think at the end of the day, it's it's inspiring students to recognize in themselves, because at the at the end of the day, I can't force a child to do their today's best. Right. I can, I can encourage I can inspire them. But I think it's instilling the the qualities that we want them to see is we want them to push themselves. But there's also the that's one thing that I learned about my son from my son is like, you know, I, I work so much. Right. And, but there, there are times where he's taught me like, no, I just need time off. I just Mm -hmm. need a break sometimes from always doing my best. And to recognize that, I think that's healthy to recognize when you need those times. Of of course, you know, if it's always, they're not giving you their today's best day after day after day, there's a different conversation. Yeah. Yeah. But those times where they recognize that today is just a hard day for whatever reason, right? Mm. Whatever's happened in their, their home life or whatever they're bringing to school that day, they're allowed to have those free passes once in a while that mm-hmm. I am, I, you know, with that relationship that you've built with them, right? That mm-hmm. they feel understood, they feel seen, they feel that's heard it. that today, that's all I have to give you. It just is that's, that's all I have. And that's the nugget there. It's the relationship piece. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and we you can know either expect my expectations all the time, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. or I can acknowledge where they're at and acknowledge their humanity mm-hmm. and and help build that relationship. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's 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 so important. Oh mm-hmm. such such great takeaways 
Oh, so I end every session with something called the elevator pitch. Are you ready? I am. <laughs> okay. So <laughs> for any new listeners, elevator pitch is I create a scenario for all of my guests and the idea is, you know, there's uh, an educator with some kind of a problem. And then my guest has three floors to give them some, you know, I, I, I hesitate to use the word advice now because it's, it's like a, just a little nugget of mm. inspiration, mm-hmm. you know, just, you know, a little atomic interaction, yes. if you will. Okay. Yeah. I might have to steal it. Yep, please do. <laughs> I might it's steal it. Doing. Okay. All right. So here we go. So an educator gets on the elevator with you and you are on floor three. They press six before the elevator starts. An educator says to you, oh, you ended your chapter. And because of a teacher with the comment, everything I do, I do with my heart. I think and feel with my heart. I speak and act with my heart. I teach and lead with my heart. What do I do on the days that I feel so stretched to compact to capacity? How do I embrace the messy? Mm. That's when you need to look what's on your heart and what's in your heart and let your heart shine. Because to me, it starts with cultivating joy, right? So if you're feeling that feeling of being stretched to capacity, find what brings you joy. Learn what what you would put on that joy list and learn how to cultivate that. And, and then also expand your horizons on what brings you joy. And so then you can lean on that from the start to the end of your day. You know, self-care and our, and taking care of ourselves doesn't have to be on the weekend, right? It needs to be every day throughout the day, right? And so when you're able to learn how to do that, and sometimes it's just pausing. When I've had a, 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 one of those days, I, I just pause, I look out the window and I feel gratitude. And so just find what brings you joy, pour into other people and take care of yourself. We are, we are the most, the relationship we have with ourselves is the most important one, because if, if we're not whole and we don't come to school and we're, we're just operating at capacity all the time, we're not going to be good for kids. So you have to really learn how to build that deep connection with ourselves, even through atomic interactions, right? Making sure that you, what you say to yourself, you what you know what you wouldn't say to other people don't say that to yourself right you have to have mm-hmm. that just self-discipline and then just like ask yourself is are these feelings serving me right mm-hmm. I, I always talk about protecting my heart so is is what i'm feeding my mind and are these feelings serving me if not put it on the shelf right mm-hmm. it's okay to, to sit in it acknowledge yeah. it feel it and then you say ah i'm done with you i gotta move mm-hmm. on and sometimes it's just diving into other people, right? Because so like I had one of those days and so in the evening, I just thought, you know what? I have to focus on other people. And what brings me joy is bringing joy to other people. So I went home and I, I baked four loaves of banana bread. The next day <laughs> I went around and just shared a piece of banana bread with people who wanted it. And it just brightened up their day, which brightened up yeah. mine. Right? Yeah. Is that atomic interaction, that joy, that joy and love boomerang, you send it out, mm-hmm. it comes back to you. So just, you, you know, you, you know, what brought me joy today? What's that? Talking to you. Oh, you too, Shannon. You too. <laughs> I am. I'm so I am so grateful. I'm grateful to all my listeners. I'm grateful to all my guests. I'm so 
like it just, I, it feels the cup. Like it just, you know, I can feel like the temperature of joy and gratitude and inspiration just, whoo, just rises up with every conversation. Oh, thank you so much for joining me today. I loved oh, every moment of this. Me too. I, I exactly the same feelings and I am just so grateful for this opportunity. And I just want to appreciate you for amplifying my voice and others by starting this podcast and congratulations on this podcast, by the way, I am so proud of you and you just inspire me with all of your passion. So I just want to encourage you to keep shining, Shannon, keep shining and keep spreading all the goodness that you have around you. You are amazing. I'm honored to have produced this and all episodes of the Embrace the Messy podcast with Shannon Schinkle on the traditional, ancestral, and unceded lands of the Clay Lake Tanae First Nation. If you enjoyed this episode, please rate, review, and share it with a colleague or friend. Doing so will help others find the podcast. Know someone who embraces the messy and would make a great guest on the pod? Email me at embracethemessypodcast at gmail.com. Thanks for listening and see you next time.